thank you. You may be seated. Oh, praise God. What a beautiful name, wonderful name, powerful name it is. Uh, we're in a series called Roller Coaster because life's like a roller coaster. It's full of ups and downs, isn't it? Uh, we love the ups. Uh, we don't like the downs, all right? But we learn a lot more probably in the down times. This morning at uh, 10 minutes of 9, uh, I was really, really up. Okay, things were going well, everything was smooth, okay. And then I got a call from my wife, and she was on her way, and I was going to set up a TV for her for a presentation that she's doing. And she said, I just saw a buck, you know, riding along or running along the street, and, you know, and so I'm visualizing this. We're enjoying talking to each other. And then uh, I went over to set up this TV, and, well, the TV wasn't in the room. So where in the world is our TV? So I found out that it was actually in this, this building, someone had moved the TV. So I came over and got the TV, rolled it over there, and so then I turned, plugged it in. No power. What's wrong? How come we can't have power? The breaker. Okay, went and checked the breaker. Sure enough, I guess a storm during the week had turned off the breaker. So I got the breaker on. Did the remote. The remote doesn't work. Uh-oh, the batteries must be dead. God ran back over here to get some batteries, okay? Plugged the batteries in. Okay, remote, wh wait a minute, what's wrong? Mike comes in the room, he says, hey, somebody switched the remotes on the TV. So we switched the remotes and got that working. You see, life is just full of ups and downs, is it not? And it's the same for you and the same for you in more serious ways, perhaps, uh, than that. And we're looking at the life of Peter because, man, if there's somebody in the Bible that had ups and downs, well, everybody in the Bible had ups and downs, but uh, Peter certainly did. And so we've been looking at his life. I picked out uh, six episodes uh, of his life. And today we're on day four, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter uh, 17. Now, I, I just want to tell you that Peter starts up, or starts this story, and he's up, okay, but then he, right away he gets very down, but he ends up up. And my prayer is that if you're down today, that God's going to lift you up. Now, Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27, four short verses. I have never preached on this passage. I've always jumped right over it, Okay. I have never heard a sermon on this passage. But I decided, well, I'm going to really figure out what that thing is saying. Now, there's two reasons. One, why I've never preached on it, why I've never heard a sermon preached on it, is because it really it has a very strange uh, miracle that occurs. A miracle that's really hard for us to believe, okay? And a miracle that's very hard for us to under, even understand the purpose uh, of it. But there's a second reason why I have never preached on this uh, passage, okay? And I've never heard anybody else, okay? And that's because it's about giving. Now, a lot of church people do not like sermons on giving. And maybe you don't, okay? And I just want to tell you there's only one other person in this room that hates it more than you, and that's me. All right. Uh, I always feel very uncomfortable, and I want you to know that. I want you to understand. But we're going to talk about that today because, friend, 
if you're not giving, okay, I just want to tell you, God's not mad at you. God's not out to get you. God wants you to give because he really wants you to grow. And because he wants to really, really bless your life. So I hope you can relax. <laughs> I hope you can really listen to the Lord today and let him work in your life in this area, wh wherever you're at, okay, we're all at different areas of our life, and let God really work in and through you. We're going to talk today about how you can invest your money for a great and guaranteed return. Heard of Bernie Madoff? Ponzi scheme? He promised people tremendous returns on their investments. And so a lot of people gave uh, to it, or had their gave money to invest. And what he did was he gave them that first uh, return check, and I mean, it was amazing. It was whopping. Wow, what a return. But it wasn't because he invested something that was increasing. It was he was paying you out of new investors that he was getting. That's a Ponzi scheme. There's no money that's being realized, all right? In 1981, my Bernie Madoff was named Philip Elliott. And I heard about this great and guaranteed return of 15%. And so I said, that's wonderful. Now interest rates were much higher at that time, so it seemed a little more realistic, but I invested. Well, uh, I just want to tell you that uh, I, he did not pay me back all that I invested. It's really hard to pay from a prison cell. Uh, and I really didn't lose too much. God protected me in my foolish years anyway. But okay. In this world, you really can't get both a great and a guaranteed return. Okay, now this is what I mean. Stock market. Great return for the last nine years. If, you're, if, if you've had stocks the last nine years, oh, man, you've made money. But it's not guaranteed, see. And the only thing that stock market investors will guarantee is that one day the bur bubble is going to burst. Right? Now, they guarantee that. All right? Savings accounts. There's no guarantee, or excuse me, they are guaranteed. All right? federally insured. But what do you get from a savings account today? 0.1%. All right, one-tenth of 1%, one okay? Today, I want, to, I want to talk about how you can invest your money for a great and guaranteed return. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. On there, Jesus and his disciples, arrival in Capernaum, that's where Peter lived. They come back, okay. The collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't Jesus, your teacher, pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. And then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak to Jesus about this, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Now, what's this all about? A little explanation here. Peter 
And the rest of the disciples and Jesus, they just got back home, all right? They were probably on a long and very tiring mission trip with Jesus. You know, they had to walk all over the place. They walked 70, 80 miles down to Jerusalem and stuff. They come back from one of those mission trips, and Peter was dumping his dirty clothes uh, in the basket, uh, and then uh, he was putting his sleeping bag in his two-donkey garage, and he couldn't wait to go inside and, you know, stretch out on the lazy boy. But what happened? Who comes into the yard? The treasurer and the assistant treasurer of the synagogue, all right? Now, Don and I got to go to, to Israel. It was a wonderful experience. And I, I vividly remember this. They, they believe they have found Peter's house, okay? And you know what? It's right next to the synagogue. So I'm just visualizing this. Peter and the crew, they come in. They're tired. They throw the stuff down. And here comes the treasurer and assistant treasurer because they saw him from the window, all right? And what do they say? Doesn't Jesus and, and doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? What's the temple tax? Every Jewish male, 20 years or older, was required to pay a temple tax. It was a half shekel. And that's worth about two days' wages. And if you translate that into modern American day pay scales kind of thing, that's about $400, okay? And this temple tax had a very specific purpose. It was for temple upkeep. It was for any repairs they need to do. It was for buying candles and sacrifices and coffee and juice for the lobby, all right? This tax was in addition to uh, the tithe as well and the other sacrifice they were supposed to bring, okay? So it was a very specific thing, and they were actually taxed on that, required to do that. Now, Peter's probably caught way off guard and when he's asked if Jesus pays that, he probably said, well, of course Jesus pays that. You know, what do you think we are, tightwads or something? Or, or maybe he had seen Jesus pay it, you know, every year. Okay, we don't know. doesn't say so here in Matthew 17. But I'm just imagining Peter, he's, wait a minute, he's told the treasurer and the assistant treasurer they pay the tax. They're probably going online to see if that's true or not, Okay. So Peter texts Judas. Judas was the treasurer of the disciples. And he says, hey, did, uh, did we pay the temple tax? And, and Judas, uh, he, he texts back, uh, no, because we don't have $400 in the bank account. And I've overdrawn the credit card, too. All right? I'm kind of just using a little imagination here what really happened. But anyway, Peter is worried now. Because he said to them, yes, well, are they going to come back and say, no, you didn't? So he's going in, and he's trying to decide how he's going to talk to Jesus about this. But before he says a word, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, what happened out there? What's going on? What do you think? What do you think about them asking for the temple tax? His answer is strange, okay? Verse 24, he says, Peter, do kings pay taxes or do they tax their own people or people that they've conquered? That's what the Romans did, you know, they taxed the Jews, okay? 
And Peter replies, they tax the people they've conquered. Well then, Jesus Christ, the citizens of, of the kingdom, they're free from the tax. However, we don't want to offend them. We don't want to offend our fellow Jews. So go down to the lake, throw in a line, open up the mouth of the first fish you catch, and Peter, you're going to find a large silver coin. Not a half shekel, a whole shekel. Take it and pay your half shekel tax and mine. I want us to think about six life lessons here. See, uh, the ups and downs, in the ups and downs we discover of our life, we find out very important lessons about life. And the first one is this, friend, God knows what you need before you ask. You have a need this morning? Something maybe you've prayed about already. Maybe you haven't. God already knows. God knew before you knew. Well, then why didn't God meet that need so I wouldn't have to stress about it and worry and fret? Because, as Peter learned, life lesson number two, God uses your needs to show you things. God uses your need to show you that he is the provider. God chose several names. A, a, a lot. He would tell the prophets. Uh, he told Moses. He told other prophets. All right, now tell people that my name is, and, and, and there's several of them in the Old Testament, okay? And one of them is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. God wants to be known by that title. God wants you and me to know that he wants to provide for us. And, and you see, the reality is in our country where we live in a land of plenty, and, and we think that we're provided for by our paycheck and or by the government, or by all kinds of things other than the Lord God himself. And when we have a need, and see, we need needs in our life at times to bring us back to the fact that God's our provider. You, you may have a lot of other sources of, of getting things, but that won't be forever. And they're not ultimate. Well, there is one there is one source, and that's God. He is our provider. Second, he's the only one who can meet all our needs. Now, you get things from different sources, okay? But there's not one source that gives you everything that you need. Some people in your life meet some of your needs. Donna is an amazing cook. She meets my need for delicious food. 
abundantly, as you can see. But Donna can't grow it. Who does? God's the grower. Donna's a wonderful wife who meets my needs as a life partner. But you know what? You can have the most amazing husband or wife or friend or brother or sister in your life, but they can't need your, meet your need for fulfillment, for purpose, for direction, for eternity. God uses our needs to show us that he's the only one that can meet all of our needs. So, let's get back to our story. Peter tells Jesus about this need to pay the temple tax that they didn't have. They didn't have the money. So, how does Jesus meet that need? Jesus is the provider, all right? So, how is he going to provide, all right? He tells Peter to go throw the line into the lake, catch fish, and there's going to be a gold bar in its mouth. All right. Back then, it had to be a gold coin, but now it'd have to be a gold bar a day to pay our taxes, right? Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you can share a time when you reeled in a fish and it had a gold bar in its mouth? Anybody here? Dave, you're a fishing guide. That happened? Still waiting. All right, good. All right. Still waiting. Now, see, in this, this miracle, <laughs> that really hard for us? I mean, most people go, did that really happen? Or is this just some allegory or, or what? And listen, if God could create all the fish in the, in the sea, then he could certainly put a, a coin in, in the mouth of one. I mean, I don't have any problem believing that if there's a creator God. But that's what he told them to do. Now, again, Anybody here say, can, you, can anybody here share a time when they pulled in a fish and had a gold count coin in its mouth? No. But I know that there are many of you that could share a story about a time you had a need and you did not know how it was going to be met. But it was. And God provided through an unexpected source. Someone fixed your car for nothing. Someone, your neighbor, uh, decided to replace their appliances and, and they gave you a fridge to replace yours that didn't work. I mean, God can provide in all kinds of different ways. God uses your needs to show you that he's the provider. Number three, carrying out our God-given mission now, again, as I just, I never studied the temple tax, all right? But it made me realize of some things. Again, I want to share them with you, all right? Carrying out our mission costs. Church costs. And, and there are a lot of people who think that a church shouldn't talk about money. And we've probably... And, hey, we probably talked about it, churches have t talked about it in the wrong ways. I hope we haven't. I really do. But I understand that. Many churches talk about money in the wrong way. But that didn't stop us from time. Because, see, hey, is money an important part of our life? Well, if it's an important part of our faith, 
Because finance is a big part of our life and our relationship. So a church shouldn't talk about money. Well, you know, that'd be great. If we could carry out our mission without money. But that's not a reality. You know that owning a house or renting a house, that's not free. In fact, it may be the most single largest expense that, that you have. See, housing costs a lot for you. It costs a lot for a church. We have to pay for the lights, the air conditioning, the trash, the sewer, lawn service, office supplies, internet, phones, salaries, toilet paper. I mean, aren't you glad we have toilet paper? Yeah, I, sh I bet you are. Did you know most people think that churches don't pay taxes? And I just want to say to you this, that we're exempt. Churches are exempt from some taxes, but they're not exempt from others. Right, Mr. Treasurer? Okay. So even that, and see, here at Alliance, I mean, we try to be so careful with money because it's God's money. And because you gave, all right? And um, we try to be careful. We try to be frugal. We don't have gold altars and expensive tapestries. They did in the temple. God told them to do that, but we don't think we should. But we do have video projectors and computers and lighting, sound systems and air conditioning and all those things. And some people think that churches shouldn't talk about money. Some churches think that a church can provide, uh, or some people think that churches can provide services and ministries with, without giving. But that's just not possible. Now, I brought this up to the board, and we voted on whether to have a temple tax or not. And um, No, I didn't. Of course not. We don't have a temple tax. We don't like to talk about money, but it is a reality. But it's a reality that needs of ministry are carried out, but it's a reality in each of our lives as well. And God asks us, God asks his people to provide for his house and to carry out the mission so we can worship together, so we can grow, so we can reach out. And we don't go to people and ask them to pay up. A few years ago, our neighbors who were from Germany, uh, you know, we got to be good friends with them. They said, oh, we'd like to come visit your church, but we just, we need to know up front how much will it cost us. What's, and I said, cost you? They said, yeah, well, in Germany, the churches are taxed, okay? So we need to know what our share's got to be for us to come. And that was just totally strange to me. Donna now works with someone. And they, she found out that Donna was a pastor's wife, so she started having all kinds of questions. And her church actually sends out statements of what people owe. And, and she couldn't believe that our church doesn't do that. She said, well, how, how do you fund the ministry? And she said, well, we, we want to give to God to show our gratitude and to and to be dependent upon him. We don't have a temple tax. But we do ask you to give. Why? Because God asked you to. Because it's for your good. Because God wants to bless you. 
God doesn't want to get you. He wants to bless you. He asks you to give because God asks us to give back to him. It all came from him in the first place. We're only giving some back. God asks us to give a percentage of all that God has given to us. And see, we can't carry out our mission here without prayer. We can't carry out our mission without faith. We can't carry out our mission without obedience, all right? We can't carry out our mission without money, too. So, thank you. You see, this sermon is not about that we're behind. And i got to put pressure on you to give. This sermon is about the fact that this is part of our spiritual life in our having a true faith in dependence upon God as our provider. This is about us as a church wanting to reach our community, wanting to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Life lesson number four. We grow rich. And by that I mean truly rich. Not, not with things we're going to lose one day. We go truly rich by giving, not by keeping. When you give your money back to God, as he asks, you grow in your faith in God, stepping out to trust him to take care of you. Now, let's go back to our story. I want you to just imagine, okay, Jesus tells him to go catch a fish with a coin in his mouth. So Peter grabs the pole. He's walking down to the lake. Imagine walking down and running to an old friend. The old friend says, hey, Pete, where are you going? Oh, uh, nowhere. Well, why do you have a fishing pole in your hand? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. Well, where's your bait? Uh, well, I don't have any. Uh, you don't have any bait? You're a professional fisherman and you don't have any bait, okay? How are you going to catch it? And Peter finally just says, listen, you're not going to believe this, but Jesus told me to go down and catch fish and there's a coin in his mouth. And his friend says, uh, yeah, right. Uh, listen, I tell you what, Pete, next time my taxes are due, I'm going to give you a call and would you go down and help me out, okay? I mean, can you imagine how Peter must have felt? Peter surely had to be thinking, this is not going to work. I'm not going to catch a fish, and it's going to have a coin in its mouth. Peter probably felt like this is not going to work. Hopefully he remembered all the other times he said that. The time that Jesus said, we're going to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And he did. The time that Jesus said to Lazarus, who was in a tomb, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. And he did. The time that Jesus said to a storm, it was going to capsize their boat and they were going to drown. And Jesus said, peace be still. 
God tells us to do some things that we don't think are going to work. Because that's the only way he can grow our faith and our trust in him. When he tells you to make things right with somebody, another Christian, oh, that won't work. They're too close. Your neighbor, uh, that, that won't work. Your husband, your wife, oh, that won't work. Your child, that won't work. Your parent, that won't work. If we tell God that won't work, we won't grow. We'll just kind of shrivel up and die. But if we tell God, God, I don't know how it's going to work, but you told me to do it, and I'll do it, and you're going to help me, then God can grow our faith, and God can grow. When you give your money back to God, you grow in faith to God. You grow to become more like Jesus. Jesus was a giver. Jesus gave all he had for you, for me. When you give your money back to God, you grow in fighting the temptation to make money your God. We, we Americans don't bow down to idols, okay, but, but we've got a lot of things that we can make gods in our life our career, our pleasure, whatever, I think maybe the number one thing is money. And there's an episode in Mark 10 with Peter. Mark 10 shows us the, the struggle that a lot of us have uh, in giving. Mark 10, 17, as Jesus was standing, starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery, steal, testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. You've got to honor your father and mother. Teacher, <laughs> the man replied. I've obeyed all those commandments since I was young. And looking at him, Jesus had such genuine love for him because he knew he had another God. There's still one thing you haven't done, Jesus told him. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now, this is the only time that Jesus asked someone to sell everything and give it all away. Well, no, I, that's, that, there are times maybe when God does that, okay? I don't think he's ever asked me to do it. God does ask us usually to sell everything and give it all away. But God does ask us to give a portion back to him. Giving is hard. But 
giving back to God is the only way to keep us from making money our God. If we don't give any back to God, that, that money has obviously become more important to us than God. God wants to bless us. God wants to work in our life. And God wants to provide. And see, these are steps of faith and growth that each one of us take. A um, few weeks ago, I think, or maybe even last week ago, Mike showed you a little thing called a giving ladder. And see, we're all at different places in our life in terms of giving to God. But God wants to take the next step. Of trust, of growth, of faith. And you see, if we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, well, we're asking them, him to be Lord of everything, and, and that obviously includes our money. And why? God doesn't need our money. <laughs> God's not poor. God doesn't have any needs. He doesn't ask us to give because he needs it. He asks us to give because we need it. Truly trust him and love. Jesus asks us to give because he wants to bless us because we're investing, and here we get to the big point, we are investing in something. When we give to God, we're investing in something that pays great and guaranteed eternal dividends. And that's the only thing that satisfies that category. Number five, when we give our money to God, we get a great and guaranteed return. Let's read the rest of that story here from Mark chapter 10. Peter spoke up. He saw there was this man go, walk away from Jesus. And Peter spoke up and said, and Jesus said to Jesus, Jesus, we've given everything to follow you, haven't we? Yes, Jesus replied. And Peter, I want you to know, I assure you, that everyone who's given up a house or, or family or property, when you did it for my sake, when you did it for the sake of sharing the gospel, you're going to receive now in return a hundred times as much houses, brothers, family, property, along with persecution. You're going to get that too. I'll be honest here. But in the world to come, you'll have eternal life. That's Jesus' promise. That's what he says. A hundred times. That's not a hundred percent. A hundred percent is only double what you had. That's ten thousand percent. Friend, God wants to bless us, not withhold from The Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. The registration ends next Sunday, I think. $2,500 a week for what? For life and... And you pick someone else and they get $2,500 for life. Now, that's a pretty big return, is it not? Well, it only lasts for this life. 
how long is this left? Some of you got a lot of years left. Some of us don't have that many. How long is this life? How long is the life to come? That's what God wants. And the reality is most of us here today aren't going to be millionaires. Why? Well, to be a millionaire, you usually, unless you inherit it, you have to take risks. You could lose it all. But friend, you'll never lose it if it's given it to God. And I can joyfully, joyfully and confidently tell people that if they give back to God, he's going to reward them. And you may not get it for a while, but you're going to get it from God because he's made the promise. And you may not be a millionaire here on earth, but if you follow Jesus, you're going to be a zillionaire in heaven. That is a great and guaranteed return. There's just one more point. It's not about giving. Not, not about giving money. Not about money. But this is, if we miss this point, we, we missed a lot. The sixth point is this. When we give up our rights to God, we get rewards. Jesus said kings don't pay taxes. They make their subjects pay. Why did he say that? Because Jesus was making the point that since he's not just a king, he's the king of kings, he really wasn't obligated to pay the temple tax. But he paid it. He paid it. Ever since he turned 20, he paid it. And he was going to keep on paying it. Why? Because he came not to take from us, but to give to us. Jesus had the right as king not to pay, but Jesus gave up his rights for us. He gave up his rights as a son of God to come to earth and to die for our sins, not his. He's equal to God, but he emptied himself of all the rights of God to become a man or become a human just like us. And instead of him being honored, he was humiliated and tortured and executed on a criminal's cross. Jesus gave up his rights so that you and I could be rescued from God's wrath against sin. Paul gave up his rights. He was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin. He gave it all up when he met Jesus. He gave it all up to go and preach the gospel wherever he could. Every man and woman in the Bible who followed after God, they gave up some rights to serve God and to serve others. And, and see, this point's important because we Americans, we are so hyper about our rights. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and 4,000 other rights that we have. And unfortunately, we're getting so focused on our rights that we don't want to give any of them up for, for Christ or anybody else. Someone said this. If you want to start a revolution, demand your rights. But if you want to start a revival, fulfill your responsibilities. We have rights. In this sense, friend, you have a right not to give. You have a right you can choose that. Okay. And again, God's not mad at you. God's not out to get you. God wants to bless you. You have a right 
not to forgive others. I mean, you choose that. You have that power not to forgive. Whether they'll destroy you or poison you. You have a right not to worship. You have a right not to pray. You make those choices. We make, we have rights. But friend, when we give up our rights to God, we get God's reward. So this morning, what's what's the next step? We at Sarasota Lynette, we say all the time, taking the next step. Because if we're following Jesus, he's on the move and he wants us to be walking in love. What's the next step? What's today's step? What's the next step? God is asking you, me, to take and trust in God. Do we really trust him? Do we really trust him that he's going to provide? What, what's the next step in giving? God wants to grow you, bless you, help you, meet your all your needs bless you more than you can imagine. What's your next step in in giving up some of your rights? I have a right to be angry. I have a right to hurt that person back. I have a right to this, this, and that. What's your next step? What's, What's God speaking to you about, about giving up that right so he can reward you today? Would you pray with me? Oh, God. This, this lesson here that you tried to teach Peter and me and everybody else here. It's hard. It's, it's so contrary to our thinking. It's so contrary to our human nature, God. But we don't be people who live with a sinful human nature. We want to be people who are following Jesus. We want to be people who do what Jesus did, who do what Jesus asked us to do. Oh, God, help us. Because, Lord, God, you want to bless us. (laughs) You want us to grow. You want us to take that next step, that next exciting step of experiencing you at work in every part of our life financial, material, career, relational, every part of our life. God, you want to bless every part as we take those steps. And so, God, help us. (laughs) Help us, Lord. We need you. We need you, your son, Jesus, to be our Savior. We can't save ourselves. We're all sinners. You sent your son to die in our place. God, we need your son Jesus as our Savior. Friend, if you've never cried out for Jesus to be your Savior, do it today. We need Jesus to be our Lord. Lord, help me to be walking with you, Jesus, every day of my life. Because you want to work in me and you want to work through me. You want to reward God, help us, I pray. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this church family. I want to thank you for the way they give, to carry out a mission. God, thank you so much for them. So most of them have learned these lessons, applied these lessons, lived these lessons. They're giving, God. 
And anybody who's not, God, assure them you're not mad at them. You just want to work in them and bless them. And so, God, I just commit this whole thing to you. This is, we tried to focus on the words of Jesus to Peter and to us. That we grow, that we'd be able to experience all that you have for us. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Would you stand with me, please? Lord, we're going to go out in, uh, in a world that doesn't know you by and large. We're going to go and be with people who think it's really, really strange to follow Jesus. So God, empower us. God, help us. God, use us. Use us this week. In, in our work, in our ministries here as a church, God, use us to accomplish things that matter uh, forever, that bring this reward, this great and guaranteed reward, your reward. Oh, Lord, I God, I thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being with the with each other today but being dear father with you you come down you work and we praise you we want to live for you this week in jesus name and friend if you need prayers we go there's always prayer team up here ready to talk with you pray with you any way you can god bless you thank you for coming next week another episode in the roller coaster of life we'll see you then bye